You're listening to 100 p.m. episode 42. You're listening to 100 p.m., the show where we're interviewing 100 expert product people from startups to enterprise and everything in between to bring you all the actionable advice you need to succeed in product management. Today's guest is Matt Marino with the Chicago Bulls. If you're joining us for the first time, be sure to visit our website, 100productmanagers.com, the web's fastest growing resource for product management topics, recommended resources, and online learning. I'm Susanna Bate, product coach, startup mentor, and host of today's show. Let's dive right in and say hello to Matt Marino. Matt Marino, Senior Product Manager for the Chicago Bulls. Being, having grown up in the 80s and, and through the 90s, have a very specific memory of the Chicago Bulls of an era. So this feels really cool. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me. And uh, we got a rich history uh, with the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, obviously with the six championships from the 90s and Michael Jordan and, you know, even on to some of our more recent players that have been here with the team. You know, we've, we've got... Um, a lot of history here that I think excites our fans and they pass it down to their generations as well. And that's what helps bring in us a lot of love to the team. Seems like the kind of brand that people would be prone to getting tattooed onto their bodies as well. <laughs> do you ever see bulls tattoos walking around? Or? We do. Uh, we get them sent to us a lot through our social media channels as well. You know, some not always as great as others, <laughs> but uh, you know, we do love uh, their, their spirits and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely uh, excited to show that on their body and you know we embrace that a lot it's great <laughs> <laughs> this is I mean I'm making a judgment here but you seem like you're a young guy and I looked into your background normally we, we kick off the episode by talking about your path into product management but your path is sort of pretty direct it was like school a brief stint as a web developer Chicago Bulls for a decade I mean you've been here with Close, the company yeah, for yeah. almost a decade mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you kind of went from A to Bulls. Sure. Um, so I, I grew up in a town two hours away, kind of a small farm town. And uh, I guess I played that farm boy to, to city, city boy um, stereotype. But uh, I was really excited to get to a larger city and just kind of embrace myself, you know, show my creativity and, and, and really start to feel kind of the art side of, of what the city has to offer. And um, I went to school for graphic design and, um, you know, it was, unfortunately, I wasn't a very great drawer. And so uh, I, I decided to switch over to something else but more computer-based. And um, they had a program for interactive media, which was at the time more of like, you know, building flash websites, doing tables for websites. And um, so I learned from that. And then when I got my first job out of school, uh, working for a web agency downtown, I the technology really evolved from there, and I had to learn how to do more uh, CSS-driven websites and uh, you know, no, no flash. Um, so like it was, it was kind of learning as I go with that. And then um, I found the opening for the Chicago Bulls. They were looking for a developer to kind of help build their digital brand here. Uh, it was a very small team, but they needed someone that had a little bit more hands-on experience, and uh, that's where I came in, and that was in uh, 2009. When I came in, so iPhones were just kind of getting out there. <laughs> Sad to say, but we had uh, our first app was actually a BlackBerry app. Really? Yeah. So, um, what did it do? <laughs> it just kind of had uh, 
recaps of the game. There wasn't a whole lot of interactive stuff that was there. It was just more of like some stories that were up there, uh, just who the roster is, just some very basic knowledge that was on there. And then um, we went from there and kind of tried to build more of a digital strategy of how that we can help build our website to be something a little bit more. And uh, so we started getting involved with more video. We started Bulls TV actually the same year that I came in. So we really tried to bring in a little bit more of interactivity to our website and have that become our mainstay for the flagship site. For my benefit, for the benefit of our listeners, help us understand first and foremost, what is it, what's the product that you're managing? Because my impression is the Bulls, the team is the product. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, that's a, there's definitely two sides to what we're doing. There's the basketball side of the Chicago Bulls and there's the business ops side of the Chicago Bulls. So obviously the five guys that are on the court that are playing, trying to win a game 82 times throughout the regular season, that's the product that I think most people understand. My side of the product is on the business side and I work part of the digital team where we control our website, we control our Bulls mobile app, we control our email marketing, and also social media. So those are the four kind of umbrella products that we have from our digital side that I help control and make sure that we're getting the best out there to our fans. Do you have a favorite out of all of those products, by the way? The mobile app is my favorite. The mobile app? Okay. Um, Supported across all platforms? Sure is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It's just more of like... I'm just a real big nerd for mobile products. I, I, I just have a lot of love to, you know, just really see how people are using them. Uh, I have a habit of kind of peeking over people's shoulders, not because I want to see what's on their phone. I just want to see what they're doing with it. Okay. Um, so like, I, you know, better I be careful like, with that behavior, uh, by the I, way. Well, when I'm at the arena, sometimes I kind of peek over and see, you know, if they're on Facebook or if they're on Twitter, if they're using their mobile product as a second screen while they're at the arena, those are the things that I want to know, or are they just having fun on a, on a social game or something like that, you know? So like, those are the things that I want to see kind of the trends of what our fans are doing at the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause it's no secret that not everyone's always watching the product that's on the floor. Sometimes they get bored or they want to kind of look at something else on their phone. So I'm just really trying to gauge what that is and then how we can try to incorporate something similar to that into our, our mobile app that we have. So I just think it has the most growth for us. So that's what excites me when it comes to those four products. And, and presumably the present day mobile app is a little more robust than that early BlackBerry edition that you received. <laughs> Just a little, One yeah. or two extra features. <laughs> Tell us about the mobile app. So, I mean, from, from a use case perspective, who wants that product theoretically and why do they want it? What's the value that it, that it creates? Sure. So the first user that probably uses our product is obviously a, a big fan of the Chicago Bulls. So they want to engage themselves with more content, more videos, more stories about the game, more humanizing stories about the players, and just get to know a little bit more about what the team and the organization is doing. Mm-hmm. The second use case of that is for season ticket holders. So we have basically a, a way for them to control their tickets throughout the regular season. So they can uh, transfer them, they can uh, donate them. We have uh, digital ticketing for our United Center games here. So. When they come in, they can load up the ticket on their phone, and they can just easily come in through the game that way. So, and that's all through the app. That's all through the app. Versus you, like, who does ticket sales for for United Center here? Is that Ticketmaster? Ticketmaster, yeah. Okay, so versus that, it just gives them a nice, clean interface for managing their tickets, doing all of these things. Absolutely. So we give them the option to basically just use it that way. They also have the option to print at home, but we want to give them something very easy that they can just load up their phone and and show 
the QR code and they can get right into the arena as fast as they can. Uh, awesome. So the idea is the mobile app creates an extended experience for connecting with the, the, the I mean, I don't know if primary product is the word, but certainly the, the team as product. Mm -hmm. What else can I do once I'm in the stadium? Like you've, you, you're looking over and you're hoping that I'm going to open up the app. Any other cool things I should know about for how I can enjoy the second screen experience? Sure. So you can actually upgrade your seats as soon as you get in. What? So, yeah. Like I'm in crappy seats up in the top row. I can look for better ones absolutely. when I'm there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a part in our app that you can go in there and, you know, kind of get a list of what's available and you can decide, okay, well, if it's an extra 50 bucks and I want to impress uh, my date or maybe a client that I'm with, you know, you can just purchase from there and it knows already if you're using our digital ticketing, it'll know exactly where you're sitting already and how that compares to where you could upgrade to and the price difference between that. I'm downloading this as soon as I get out of here. I mean, these are, these are nice. I, I live in Los Angeles as I've shared with you and, uh, you know, granted, I don't know if the, the Kings or the Lakers are listening in, but there's an app where tickets that you buy for Staples Centers has come through. I think it's called like Flash Seats or something. It's like the worst ticketing, like none of this stuff that's cool. Just, and you think, like, how can you fail so spectacularly at, because these are value adds, right? I want a seamless experience. I want to walk right in. I want it to feel modern. Sounds like you're hitting on all of those notes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we're even experiencing our um, exploring for NC ordering. Okay. So right through the app, if you want to order, say, a hot dog and a beer, you can just click on it on there on your phone, press what you want, pay with it through your card that's already stored on our app, and then you just walk over to the concession stand and pick it up. No waiting. No yeah, this is like my exact dream. The only thing that I would change about that is that I don't have to get up to get the stuff. So that I would like order it and then it would know what seat I'm in and it would magically appear. That would be great. Absolutely. Maybe that's phase two. That's right. Phase uh, two. Okay. So let's go back in time a little bit. You're, you're newly out of school. You're doing, you know, you, you start doing media interaction design because you can draw with, with rulers instead of with freehand. That lines, was the Lines pivot. and boxes. That's, lines that's and boxes. <laughs> you end up as a web developer. You applied online, by the way. This is a good testament to why people should visit the websites of companies they want to work for because yeah. there's actual real opportunities to get jobs. There is, yeah. Usually towards the bottom of the site. That's that's how it was on Bulls.com uh, when I was just searching around and I saw that there was a career opportunities button and I figured why not. And, and you uh, did it. Yeah, and I did it. Man, amazing. So you joined early on. Your original title wasn't product manager. No, it was web coordinator at the time. Web coordinator. And so what was the kind of stuff that you were doing in those early days? Sure. So we were doing some basic uh, recaps of the games and, you know, telling stories of our players and just kind of simple website stuff that was there, just kind of content about, you know, our dancers and, and stuff that's happening throughout the organization. And then that devolved into, you know, well, Matt knows how to develop and do some little more cooler stuff. So, you know, I was tapping into some APIs and doing stuff with that. Uh, we were doing some unique things with some of the feeds that the league was, was, was providing us. Um, so we were just kind of creating all kinds of new experiences that was a little different than what other teams were doing. Do you um, remember one, you know, kind of early feature project in particular that you were especially proud of? I really liked my game day page that I had started. So we do kind of like a, a takeover game day page. Um, so, an hour before the game's going to start. So say your game's at, six, at 7 o'clock, we would 
load this up at six o'clock. And it's just kind of like this major hub of, um, you know, who the starting lineup's going to be, what's the injury report, what's the story behind the game, maybe some curated tweets that are coming in from our fans, and then just basically kind of put that all together into one one-stop shop, if, if you will, for for Bulls.com. And uh, we were one of the first teams to ever kind of do something like that, and now all the 30 teams are, are doing something similar to that. But the league caught on and uh, thought that that was a great idea, and that was something that I'm pretty proud of. That's really cool. So did you did that mean that you had to essentially cobble all that content together and publish it same day? How much lead time were you able to get when you had to put that yeah, information out? Definitely all through the same day. I mean, because, you know, you never know kind of what's going to happen from shoot around up until game time. So you never Someone know. Someone twists an angle exactly, and the whole exactly lineup something goes. Something could happen or maybe they want to start this player instead of some somebody else. So, you know, I would always just kind of keep up with what the team's doing and update in, you know, in real time as we can. Now all that stuff is automated, but at the time it was more of a manual labor work. It's like 5.54 p.m. and you're scrambling yeah, to scram- get the last Scrambling to go in, make sure we got it up there. And now there's feeds that I've created that basically just automatically populates that stuff and I don't have to touch it, but uh, that's a wonderful thing to have. You mentioned the league and you and I spoke about this briefly before, but I think this is fascinating. The NBA itself is a collaborator of yours and and the other teams that, that that there's a sense of if somebody over here is doing something that's good let's shine a light on that and invite others to leverage that as well can you talk a little bit about you know how that works yeah, in absolutely. terms of your 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 providing product management guidance for the league absolutely so we uh, I like to say that while we compete on the court off the court we don't really compete like that you know we're, we collaborate every week uh, we have league calls every week sometimes throughout the year a couple times throughout the year we'll meet up together as a group and we'll just kind of discuss things that are happening throughout the season uh, you know what do you guys do with the corporate spon- sponsorship uh, segment? What do you do with social media? What kind of uh, rate cards are you guys doing for partners? So basically, these are all things that we all try to help each other out. And the NBA knows that to succeed, all 30 teams need to be working with each other to make sure that they're putting out the best product that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the NBA, is, they support us in everything that we do and with other teams. And we'll converse and talk to each other and be like, hey, what was this? What is a side project they did over here that works? And they'll send us some ideas of how that on, on how that could work with us, and then we'll just kind of you know shift it in on how that would apply with us. So maybe some of the folks on the West Coast can get connected with the work you're doing here on the mobile app yeah. and and leverage that a little absolutely, bit. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll call them up. Later <laughs> They're listening in, going, "Who does this person think she is talking about our crappy app like that?" Um, okay, so you're you're. Doing these game day takeovers, you're, were you writing the content as well? I mean, just to go back, like, you know, everyone talks now about content marketing and I know that it's not a new strategy, but it's definitely, it's definitely its own kind of product and people have mobilized more significantly around it. But like back then, was it like, well, we have a website, I guess we need to put stuff on it. And then did you also have to do that? There were times where I had to write some stories, but we, uh, Thankfully, we've been blessed with having Sam Smith, who's a Hall of Fame basketball writer. He's well-known in the basketball game. He actually wrote The Jordan Rules, which is a kind of a very, very popular book about the Bulls in the early 90s. And um, so we were able to get him to be our head writer for the team. And he's still with us today, and he's still writing everything for us. And uh, he's been a huge asset 
for us to have. And so how did the role evolve? I mean, how did you go from web coordinator to senior product manager? Because I, I would imagine it's not just about promotions in the traditional sense. It seems indicative of an evolved understanding of, of what is product or, or how to be product centric within an organization. Absolutely. So it basically came out of my love of just trying to develop more and more for for our digital team. You know, it wasn't just I wasn't just coming in and just doing what my job was. I was just trying to expand and try to really get a lot more coming out of this team. And that's where the mobile app started coming in. We're adding more things to that, creating new ways to collect data from our email marketing side. I'm just really trying to take control and just build more and more out of it. You know, first and foremost, I'm a fan, you know, I'm a fan of the Chicago Bulls. I was born and raised, grew up as a fan of the Bulls. And for me, when we work on our digital products, I have to ask myself, is this what I would have wanted when I was just a fan and not part of the organization? And just making sure that that really speaks to me whenever that we're trying something new. It's all about ease of, of use and you know convenience and really getting that out there for our fans. And that's where I start to ask myself more and more um, when it comes to working with my products. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I that was certainly a trend, though probably not consciously for many years, especially in the sort of when everyone was figuring out digital, there was, let's create an app for this. Let's create that. It was almost like a game of how many digital assets can we create? And those assets themselves weren't really, they weren't really creating or necessarily creating value that I would say that's part one. And then part two is that there wasn't really a clear distinction about what is the value of this particular product versus this. It was just like, we're going to be in all of these places with an asset. Can you talk a little bit about how you have, you know, evolved the strategy or the, the product suite, if you will, so that you know, all of the benefits of the mobile app, for example, as you describe, are necessarily different from, say, what's happening on social. I will say that we probably started off in that aspect of let's get everything out there and let's let's see what we can uh, load up for our fans. But then it's more we, we, we scaled back and started talking about what makes sense, not only just for the fan, but also how we can use that information. And so data collection has been one of our biggest things that we've been honing on for for the past uh, season or two and we're just trying to really get to know of who our fan is and how that we can start to market them a little bit more that feels personable something that's not so spammy uh, and just really making sure that we're catering to their their wants of the Chicago Bulls you know we don't want to just send them any information about just ticket sales and any kind of specific game we want to find out okay well maybe they come to some of the more premium games let's start to focus more premium games to them Mm -hmm. And then in return, that just becomes a little bit more of a sales marketing for us to get a more understanding of who our fans are from there. What constitutes a premium game? Is that like when other really well-known teams are in town? Yeah, like ones that are, you know, with with the big superstar or have the best record or that, that kind of Right. What about uh, for online? How does the online experience differ from kind of what you're trying to accomplish with the mobile application? In what way? Yeah, like are, are you on Snapchat? Are you on oh, yeah. Twitter? How are those platforms fundamentally informing the strategy in, in a different way? Our social uh, presence has been one of our, our probably mainstays for the team. We've We've got a great following not only just in the city of chicago but all across the world in fact uh, our large percentage is actually international 
and, and global. So we know that we're able to reach those fans at any time of the day with some of the content that we're working on. And we, we do a really, really great job of uh, piecing content that's unique, that's timely, that humanizes these players. And uh, it, we've really been able to showcase that and what we're doing from from a social standpoint. And a lot of it has to do too with uh, partners. We work with some great partners and they want, you know, social is the big reach that we have. So they want us to kind of put together some kind of really cool, unique content for them that doesn't feel salesy. It doesn't feel like, oh, you know, it's presented by so-and-so. Like we try to work them into some of our content that we have. And one of the biggest wins that we've done is with Snapchat. Okay. Uh, so we did some Snapchat stories last season. Basically, it was, uh, you know, two, three minutes of content of telling a story through Snapchat. One of our biggest ones that we did was a Beauty and the Beast spinoff. So, okay. so when that was big, we, we got one of our players, Robin Lopez, to come in and be Gaston as that character. And wow. we basically built the story on Benny the Bull, which is our mascot. And uh, they're fighting for their love, which was Belle. And so that was one of the stories that we did. It was a very unexpected. First of all, I'm a big Beauty and the Beast fan, maybe even more so than as a Bulls fan. So that's a that's an unexpected twist. Yeah, yeah. So like we were just kind of doing different things. That's not just all basketball related. Uh, our partner BMO Harris Bank was completely on board and really loved the ideas. Uh, we did kind of a murder mystery clue story. We did another one that was with uh, kind of an office style of where our broadcasters were in the office and kind of doing sayings of people doing normal stuff in the office so you know so like if I was on the telephone someone would be like oh he got the telephone out and, you know just kind of uh, you know kind of being this broadcast type stuff out there uh, so yeah so, so those are some big wins for us alongside of that we we love to tell stories of just kind of the game itself so while we do you know standard Twitter updates of of the game we're also trying to bring the story to the fans of what's going on in the arena so you know some of the dancers that are happening so we'll showcase some of their their highlights that they have uh, halftime performances that we do we do decade nights where we have old old musicians come in that's been pretty fun so we try to bring everyone to the arena that we know they can't be here i'm doing i'm making the classic product manager mistake which is like going straight to features but i'm just so excited so so let me zoom out and and talk a little bit more about the product management experience first of all it's not a large organization i mean it's it's definitely a big uh, a big business but but the team here is what a hundred people something like that what's your business upside yeah about a hundred people that includes you know um, that includes our community relations people our corporate partnerships uh, our branding team our creative team which is our our designers our, our ticket sales team mm-hmm. premium seating so there's all kinds of a lot of de- all kinds of departments that are working to help the organization uh, and my team is, is digital and it's a team of four. Oh wow. It's four of us. So we have a director that's above me and then we have me that works with all the products and then we have a content and social media person and then we have one that focuses also strictly just on social media as well. So between the four of us, we, we wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Know? So while my focus is on all the products, I may ask them to help me out and try to build some of the stuff for us. Now, I mean, they don't have some of the technique that I have to some of it, but they are willing to help me out when it comes to certain things of content that we want to put on the app and, uh, you know, build kind of this uh, story that we want to have on there. For me, it brings up a conversation that uh, that I've surfaced a lot, which is 
the requirement for product managers to move between strategy and tactics, right? And for some reason, Chicago seems to have a lot of like large scale product organizations. That's one of the things I've noticed as I've been going through and, and meeting different folks here is you got a lot of big data science companies. You've got, you know, Venmo and PayPal and Braintree are all here. Groupon is sort of, you know, the monster. So these are organizations with thousands of people and the product management experience can be very different because you might have seven PMs on a single team for a single feature or within a product. And in those models, I think where the challenge comes up is you're used to being strategic and then you forget how to be in the trenches. And for other times, uh, for certainly when we're working in smaller teams, I think it can work in reverse where we're sometimes so much in the trenches that we forget to zoom out and be thinking about the more holistic strategy. Can you speak from your own experience about that? Like, how do you remember to, to switch gears from, you know, actual coding, if you're doing coding, versus thinking about what is the next phase of the app? Where do we want to evolve this experience into, which is a different mindset? So we, um, you're absolutely right that sometimes we do get caught up in the trenches, especially when the season's happening. You know, those, the, the grind of the season can feel so long. And so we kind of forget some of the strategy side of what we're doing, and we're just focused on the now and making sure that we're getting all of our products out and all the content that that, that rides with them. And so that's where the off-season really comes in right now is we, we really get to see the big picture of what we want to do coming up for this season. Now, the off-season is you know relatively a short amount of time. We're talking anywhere between three and six months. So we really try to kind of focus in on what it is that we want to do and well, we also scale back and see what was what won last year, what didn't win, and then how we can make it better or maybe drop what it was and then try to focus on something new. So there's always something that we're trying to touch when it comes in the off season. Um, in season, you know, we because of the grind, we don't always get a chance to kind of scale back as much, but um, we do look things over kind of midway season and figure out if there's some ways that we should adjust with some of the pro- with some of the campaigns that we're doing. And that's kind of a overall group decision that we work with the digital team, our analytics team, our creative team. So that's where all that comes in from there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it speaks to road mapping. And, you know, part of the thing about 100 product managers as a show and its mission is product management can look so tremendously different. So what does it look like over here? What does it look like over here? How does that role kind of change? And and one of the big hot topics for people is road mapping. You know, for some PMs, they're never even going to touch that process. It's, it's it, the bureaucracy and the organizational structure is such that they're going to basically be delivered a list of features or, or, you know, maybe one step above that, an initiative and say, make this happen and, and make it cohere with this top-down strategy. Other organizations are iterating on their roadmap. I mean, I've had people talk to me about weekly, I'm revisiting the roadmap and making changes. It sounds like for for you and, and for the Bulls, this is sort of like a twice a year kind of course correction. This is looking at what we're doing, using this downtime to really map out some of the initiatives. And then of course, iterating in real time as you need to, if you're finding things aren't working, but sure. that's, that's the rhythm. So we do meet once a, once a week and just kind of discuss our KPIs and where we're, where we're looking and making sure that we're hitting kind of the numbers that we've set forth going into that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And then from there, like we can adjust based on content or maybe moving some things around or trying out some new campaign. Uh, but I would say we do have roadmaps on there, but we don't necessarily kind of always, they do change quite a bit right. depending on, you know, kind of where the team's at, kind of where, what our focus is at the time. So we're able to kind of adjust as we can. I would say, you know, we try to look into that every other month or so just to kind of get an idea of what it is that's out there and what we need to try to do. But the real kind of bigger roadmap stuff comes in during the off season. And that's what we try to react off of that. Where would you, I mean, are you going to stay with the Bulls forever? I know if you're not going to, you're not going to say that here in the interview, but you've been with the organization so long. Where, what's next for you? Assuming you continue on here, where would you like to take the, the product team toward? I think there's still a lot of growth that we have here. I think there's a lot of new things that we can bring to the organization, to the arena, the United Center, uh, and just how we can kind of do things internally. You know, not only is my product side for the fans, but it's also what we do internally and how that we can collect some of the things that we want to have and build off of that. So I'm excited to kind of help expand the organization and see what else it is that we can build here and bring together. It's an interesting question. Well, good. I mean, just good things to think about. And, and it goes back to what you said earlier about having, you know, grown up and been a fan and then, you know, always trying to remember. Sometimes when we are users of our own product, it can be a bit of a, a blessing and a curse. You know, the, the blessing, of course, is I'm deeply connected to what the user wants because I'm that person. The, the curse is that we can sometimes forget to, to check outside of that. But I think to go back to you talking about the reward of this particular position, being able to contribute meaningfully to a brand that, that means so much to you, I think is definitely is very exciting in terms of, of where to, to sort of go from here. And again, it really strikes me that a lot of what you're leading is a new era of product thinking. That, that if we talk about shifting between strategy and tactics as individuals, if you look at the arc, if we zoom out and we look at just the arc of what you've done in particular over the last decade, that arc is we went from being very, very tactics oriented to being much more strategic, to thinking about product, to thinking about each of these channels as having their own purpose, supporting you know, the other channels and, and needing to do different sets of work for each one. Absolutely. The strategy side is definitely what drives me. And also... When I'm in the arena for each one of these games that we have, you know, I, I love just seeing people using it. I can see them from the side. It's part of me looking over the shoulders and seeing what they have. But, you know, I, I like to see that what I'm building and what we're using is actually coming to life for our fans and they're embracing it and they're using it the way that we had hoped that they would. And that's what drives me to be like, oh, well, maybe we should try this or maybe we can expand a little bit more on this and give them more options. And uh, that's that's what really drives me to, to make sure that they can continue to live here. Have you ever actually gone up to a fan using the app and said, excuse me, you know, I'm Matt. I'm actually the, the product manager here for the Bulls. I, I helped create this app that you're using. Can you tell me about why you love it or can you tell me why you, you skipped that feature? And I you have. I have, yeah. I've actually just asked for feedback off of people that are using it. You know, I even do that when it comes to our social channels. I like to ask, you know, friends and family and, you know, just, you know, just give me some honest critiques of what you would like to see. You know, because like you said, sometimes I do get kind of stuck in, in the tunnel of, of, of what the Bulls are doing when I need to know what maybe what someone that's more critiqueful of the Bulls would rather have for mm -hmm. their content. So 
I do ask for that feedback a lot. Are there any cues, you, you spoke earlier about the involvement of the league and, and all of the teams sort of being uh, collectively vested in an overall digital experience for all fans. Are there any cues that you've taken from products outside of the realm of sports that have specifically informed the way that you think about the kinds of experiences you want to deliver? Yeah, uh, one of the big things that I'm really interested in is, you know, mobile payments and using mobile walleting. We'll go talk folks. to those Braintree That's folks what over here. to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really love that, you know, it's the convenience part. I mean, that's really what I think we all inspire for is, 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 is trying, you know, I just want to whip out my phone and just, you know, have everything be on there. My whole life is really on these devices. And, you know, just to have that access, just to quickly do something with my phone and just move on. Is, I mean, that's where I would love to see kind of happening more with that. So Matt, we do a segment here on the show called Get the Job, Learn the Job, Love the Job. And I, I'd love to know if you have any advice for our listeners about how they can break into product management. I mean, your particular path was you started as a developer, kind of worked your way in and up at the same time. What would you say to somebody else who, who maybe wants to follow a similar path? True thing. I mean, obviously, you got to know kind of what the path is to to go from knowing what a product even does to begin with. So for me, like I came from the start of where sports digital was starting to grow and I saw where the mobile apps were starting to go within that sports industry. And um, I guess you can consider me lucky of having kind of that, those, those aspects together, but really it was the love of both of those, both sports and digital products that really brought me in and why I've stayed here as long as I have. It's an interesting uh, product management is, is something where you see a lot of people bounce around and kind of you know go from one job and how they can help them and then go to another one, how they can help them. But for me, it's, you know, I, I really enjoy the love of what sports has and what our fans feel towards a team and how that we can make the digital products better for them. And uh, so for me, like, you know, my advice is just, you know, just really love what you do, really get to know the organization in and out and how that you can really help them. And uh, that's, that's been a huge uh, benefit for me. What about hard lessons? You know, do you remember, uh, you know, a significant failure, a significant mistake, maybe, you know, early on where you thought, uh Oh, I shouldn't have done it that way. Or if I could go back and play it over, I would definitely skip over that mistake <laughs> well some of the mistakes from our digital side is, is more of just uh maybe we don't i wouldn't say that we've done any kind of specific mistakes but i feel like maybe we also don't uh think outside the box as much as uh, as we want i mean we're, we try to stay pretty focused on what what we do from an organization day in and day out but sometimes we don't also think of some of the crazier ideas that are out there and Maybe that could be just because we're afraid to fail, but we shouldn't ever be afraid to fail. You should always want to try something new. And if it doesn't work, well, you can move on and try to make it better for the next time. You definitely live and learn from some of the mistakes that you make. And I think because of that, we've we've done a lot of winning on social. So we've, we've tried some crazy things. There's, there's all kinds of different things that we try that, you know, five years ago, we never thought that we would ever do. Um, so I think the growth of that is really kind of helped us out with that. Don't be afraid to fail. Try things. Yeah, see absolutely. what happens. Yeah, and I mean, and, and the beautiful thing, especially about digital products, is it's easy to iterate on on a mistake. So I like that. What uh, you've you know, there's been an undercurrent of what you love about the Bulls and this particular job. But what 
do you love about product management as a path? I mean, if you could go back and rewrite your history from that defining moment of studying interaction design, would you do anything differently or do you just love it and why? I would probably try to learn more about kind of behaviors of individuals a little bit more and how that they would interact with these apps and how that they would use them in a way for us as an organization to figure out a way that we can start to personalize things more and more out of it by by knowing these kind of behaviors that people might have by 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 the apps um, some of the things that i've really been into lately is just kind of just reading up on on data and just seeing what it is that's out there and what are people using it for and learning that behavioral science um, in fact we have a guy that's that's amazing here that actually helps us with some behavioral science stuff with the analytics team. And he really teaches us kind of some crazy things that we never really thought of that someone would think of it in a way. So, you know, are we using the right words? Are we using the right headers? Uh, are we even using the right colors on certain things? So like it, it's kind of learning all of that to see how that we can use that towards our products has been really interesting. Cool. And what about recommended resources, any books, blogs, podcasts that you uh, personally listen to or subscribe to that you think you got to check this out i read sports news shocking. shocking right so sports business journal definitely so we you know try to see kind of the marketing side of what's being done uh there's a great blog out there sport techie uh that really brings in what sports and tech and what teams are doing so outside of you know that includes uh wearables mobile products, obviously, uh, email strategy and things of that nature. So sports tech is a really big one that I use. And then for me, like just kind of personal reading, uh, I like to read, you know, like I was saying earlier, like books on data. Uh, I really like to kind of learn more about what, what the individual is doing. Uh, just one that I just started reading now is Everybody Lies. So by a, a Google data scientist uh, that wrote that. And uh, just, just, just trying to learn about how it is that some of the stuff that we're searching or what we're looking for kind of builds us and who our character is. And it's, it's been really neat to kind of learn more from that. Yeah, one of the things I, I say to students in my product management class in you know, day one is th there's all these skills that you need to learn and, and the speed at which you learn them and the depth to which you need to learn them is debatable and, and certainly will vary from place to place. But there are other things that I think are less negotiable, like softer skills, you know, confidence, curiosity, and hunger for knowledge, right? Which I think you're speaking into both as you describe kind of a, a, a new appreciation for user experience design and kind of behavioral sciences and talking about data. It's Everybody working in this field needs to recognize that a lot of the ideas that are in place right now, many of them are less than a decade old. And five years from now, well, this podcast will be irrelevant probably. Five years from now, there'll be a whole other new sets of, of ideas that are guiding how product management, that are guiding product management processes you know, across organizations. So staying hungry for knowledge, I think, is an essential skill for all product managers. I, I, I think that's great. Do you have a, a side of the mug, inspirational poster type of mantra that you use to, to guide who you are in, in the world or who you are within this organization? So we have a brand purpose statement is to, to unite and inspire through legendary experiences. And what that means is taking each individual moment of a fan or even with the partner, or even with ourselves as individuals, and how are we creating a legendary experience within the Chicago Bulls? And are we inspiring and uniting the fan base by doing so? Uh, and that's one of the things that I take into account with 
anything that I do every day, even when I come into the arena, even when I come and watch a Bulls game. I mean, it's one of those things that you never know when you're going to see something legendary. And it's up to us to make sure that we're providing that memento for the fans anytime they come into the arena. Because this is a once in a lifetime experience for them. You know, I get, sometimes we get kind of uh, lost in the, in the focus that, you know, we see these games every day, but people come into the arena for the first time and we have to make sure that we're providing them everything, giving them this great once in a lifetime experience and they can go back and tell their friends or they can tell their kids. And then as their kids grow up, they'll be like, Oh, I remember when my dad took me when I was five years old. And then now I'm a Bulls fan and I'm going to teach my kids to be a Bulls fan. So all this stuff kind of trickles down. And um, that's the way that we really see things on a day-to-day basis is how are we uniting inspiring and creating these legendary experiences for our friends. Beautiful. Uh, Matt Marino, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to 100 PM, the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you enjoyed the show, please help us get discovered by leaving a five-star rating and review right from your podcast app. Our mission is to help you excel at product management. If you haven't been to our site, please check it out. We have so many great free resources to help you on your path, including all of the recommendations from our fabulous guests week over week. I'm your host, Susanna Bate. We'll be back next week with an all new episode.